Welcome to Listen In. My name is Stephanie Gates, and I want to invite you to listen in on conversations I have with my friends as we discuss engaging college students with the gospel. Well, friend, thanks for sitting down with me. Uh, I want to give you a quick second to introduce yourself, a little bit about uh, what you do, uh, what your title is as a part of Texas Baptist, and then we'll jump into our conversation. All right. So I'm Ginger Bowman. I'm the church college ministry uh, specialist Mm -hmm. for Texas Baptist Student Ministry. And um, my role really is to help churches do college ministry. So providing resources, um, coaching and encouraging them as they're developing college ministry, um, encouraging those that are already really involved in the work if they have a full-time college minister and those kind of things. Um, And then also helping our churches engage their local campuses um, in different ways. So that's what I get to do as a part of Texas Baptist. Well, we're thankful to have you as our resident expert uh, who can come in and tag team with us when we know some things about what to do. And then when a church asks us a question and we have no idea, it's great to have you to come in and kind of help us continue the conversation. And that's part of the reason I asked you to join me uh, for this specific question. Our question for today is, what are some practical steps a church can take to start a college ministry? And I feel like you were the first person that came to mind. You do this every day. You're helping churches think through what do you do? How do you do it better? What are the needs? And so I just wanted to give you a chance to share with us those things. So my question is, what are practical steps a church can take to engage students? All right. So usually when I um, talk with a church, the first question I ask them is, what do you already have going? And um, some of them will have a college Bible study class, a Sunday school class for students. Um, Some of them won't. And sometimes they'll have three or four students that are just part of the church. And so I always say start with what you have. And um, if you have a college Bible study class, that's wonderful. That's a great place to start. Um, And then pray together. Get those that you already have in your church that are um, students and then those that, that love students and have a passion for this together to begin to pray about what God would have your church to do. And it's also a great way to invite students to be a part of something and for them to begin to have ownership in what's going to happen in the ministry. Um, And then I say begin with the end in mind. You know, what? really do a good survey of what's the landscape like in your area. Um, Do you have a community college close by, a four-year university? Are most of your students commuters? Um, do you have students that are studying online? Uh, what are what are the s- students doing that are in your community? Where are they? And so getting a good picture of what that's like, and then where are those key places that you can engage them um, close to you? And then start small. You don't have to start with a big event. You can just start with who you have. Um, you're praying together. Uh, you begin a, a Bible study. You find some key needs that you can meet, some key places where you can engage students. Sometimes we call those nodes. Um, so where are the student traffic patterns in your community? A lot of students are going to school and they're working retail jobs or um, working in restaurants. And so uh, they don't have the normal traffic pattern that other people in your church might have. So where are those places where they either gather um, or where they work that you could engage them and uh, begin with the connections you already have and in those places where you know they're going to be to get to know them and and meet them. So I think 
um, you're completely right, is we want to get around them and we want to engage them. Um, I want to make it super practical. When we go to where they are and we want to engage, so maybe it's that first time that I'm recognizing, I'm at this restaurant and I see this college student, they've been waiting on me for a couple of, day, a couple of trips. What is that next step? Like, What are ways that we can practically engage uh, and start a conversation? Because I, f- I think we can, that can feel hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, what do I do now that they're right in front of me? Yeah. So what do you think are just some helpful ways to, to think through? This is, this is what I say. This is what I do. What would yeah. you say? I, you know, I, I think it, asking them personal questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, are, if you know they're a student already, you know, what are you studying? Or do you have, if exams are coming up, hey, you got exams going on. Um, asking questions about their family. Mm-hmm. Those are great ways to get to know them. Uh, bring a student along with you to that place and engage that that student uh, with that student so that they get to know one another and begin to develop relationships. Ask them what you can pray for them about. Um, you want to develop a real relationship with them that um, is genuine and they know that you really care about them. Yeah. I think you're so right. That is so helpful. When I there's a certain restaurant here in Denton that I go to pretty regularly, and what I found was when I started tipping really well, they mm. started fighting over who got my table, and <laughs> I would great. come sit down and literally, even if like whoever saw me first would bring the sweet tea and put it on my table, and it, everyone that would come with me would just start laughing like you come here too much, uh, but I was like, but I don't. The fact that they want to spend time with me. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're fighting over who gets to bring me my drink. Right. The fact that even if they're not in my section, they're still coming by to talk to me. Um, it's like that took intentional effort, intentional time of me getting to know them. And honestly, it was the fact that I tipped so well mm-hmm. that they started to recognize, like, especially during the week, it's slower. And so none of them want to work during the week. They only want to work on the weekends. And so yeah. I know that if I go in on the weekday, you're making maybe a third of what you would make on a weekend. Mm-hmm. I can help with that. Like, I can at least tip you three times what maybe the next table is going to. I can't do it every week. Right. But just even thinking, like, practically, I can meet this need in your life because you've told me it's hard for me to work on Mondays because I just don't make very much money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can practically love you by leaving you a $10 tip. Yeah. When my bill was six bucks. <laughs> that really catches their attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just asking questions, getting to know them, uh, yeah. I think is just uh, essential. And just any engaging anyone in our community, but especially with college students. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes for our churches, it's it's hard for them to think about, you know, when they're in high school, you kind of have this, this uh for most of our churches, there is sort of this network that's already in place. Mm -hmm. When they go to college, they scatter more. But the students you have in your church, you can say, okay, who do you know? And have them map out those relationships of people they're still connected to. Maybe they're not all going to the same campus. Mm -hmm. This one's going to community college. This one's going to this campus across town. But they're all still living and working right there in the Mm -hmm. proximity of your church. Um, so who, who are those people? And getting those students, even if it's four students, to think about other people that they're still connected to, that they might engage and invite to um, have dinner at somebody's house mm-hmm. or be a part of a, a small group that's meeting in a coffee shop or something like that. Yeah. I think that's just super practical and yeah. really helpful. Yeah, um, and, you know, I would say for a, a, a group, you know, start small. Um, don't necessarily start at the church. If you're mm-hmm. trying to engage students that aren't involved mm-hmm. in the church, start in 
somebody's home or in a local coffee house. Mm-hmm. Um, Say, so, you know, we're going to meet at Buffalo Wild Wings once a week yeah. or whatever that place is. That's kind of a gathering spot. Why do you think that's helpful? to say, we're not going to just try to start here at the church, but we're going to be out in the community. Yeah, because most of your students now don't have that church framework. They don't have a background for what the church is, and um, it is more intimidating for them to go to a church than it would be for them to go to a restaurant that they're familiar with, or even to go to somebody's home, Mm -hmm. a friend that they've known from high school or or college. Um, So that's a better starting place than, than starting out in your local church. Yeah. Um, so, you know, starting with a small group and you're praying together, um, you're doing life with them, you're spending time with them on a regular basis, getting to know them and engage them. Um, and, and, you know, maybe you start an exploration kind of a study or a, a discovery Bible study where they begin to read scripture because many of them haven't actually read scripture before. Um, so you don't begin by assuming they have. Um, you jump in with something that is simple for them to understand and it's a good place for them to begin um, the process of, of studying scripture in, um, and knowing what that's really about. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about um, going where they are, th- trying to think like what's a safe place for them to start to connect? How do we intentionally invest uh, in these people that we're meeting and the people that are within our community? Uh, what would you say are some of the key needs when it comes to discipling a college student um, for churches to consider as they start to think through, as we meet them, then what do we do next? Like, what would you say are some of those key needs to address? I think uh, most students are hungry for mentoring relationships with an adult who cares about them. And so finding opportunities for them to engage with a person and, ha- and develop a relationship so that's going to be a long-lasting relationship with somebody that can walk with them in the faith. Um, help them understand um, how to study scripture, how to live the Christian life. Um, but even that, more than that, to model those things for them and maybe even help them with some life skill things along the way as well. Many of them are looking for that. So that's real important um, that students are, um, are engaged in those kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. That's more important than anything else I think that we do with yeah. college students. I completely agree. That's the one thing that students say like they love the most about BSM is that we get to kind of live life with them. And we see them sometimes five times a week. And that's hard for them to get a relationship like that within a local church. Mm-hmm. What I find is when I talk to churches about the importance of those mentorship, those individual one-on-one, one-on-two relationships, they come back to me and say, we just don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to ask our people in our church to do that. Uh, we can't even get them to participate with what we already have. Yeah. So how would you respond to the time dilemma that continues to be brought up as to why this intentional discipleship strategy just won't work within the local church? Well, for one, I think that we're commanded to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus commanded us to make disciples, so that's a command in Scripture. Mm-hmm. That's not one that's optional for us. And um, so I think that's part of where our time needs to go. It is an investment. Uh, but also, it doesn't always have to be, you know, hours and hours out of your day. I mean, you can ask somebody to come alongside you as you do life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's meet me at the coffee shop, or it's, hey, come with me. i got to buy groceries today. You want to ride with me yeah. to do that? Um, or uh, why don't you come over while I'm fixing dinner and we can have a discussion together or, you know, come hang out with my, my family tonight. We're having family game night. And, um, 
and you can be a part of that with us. So it's inviting people into your life. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that you're taking time out of your life. You are taking some of that, but but some of it is integrated into what you're already doing in your life and family. Yeah, so it's having an understanding of the difference between formal and informal discipleship and Mm -hmm. mentorship and recognizing that there is a time and a place and a need for us to have a plan and we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about this topic or we're going to study the Bible. I'm going to teach you how to do that. But then this life on life informal where I'm not adding one more thing to my schedule, but I'm inviting you in and just seeing that both of those needs are really needed within the local church, specifically for our college students. And, I know in my life, it's real easy to build in the formal. That's what we do. We have set Mm -hmm. meetings with students. But some of the best conversations I have is when I need to go pick up something from Sam's or I got to go run this errand or, hey, come grab lunch with me. I'm going to drive to Chick-fil-A. I'll buy your food for you. Yeah. And the conversations that are happening in that moment, um, they're organic. They are away from some of the distractions and they all of a sudden feel seen and known. Uh, and cared for in a way that's really hard to do in a formal setting. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that students today feel isolated. Uh, They have a hard time in really building intentional relationships. They have a hard time even knowing how to have communication and talk to people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so in those opportunities, when we get to intentionally invest in a student, we're getting to kind of model those things. And I've seen that it's almost like a part of them comes alive. It's like we're watering mm-hmm. something that's been really dry for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so I, my prayer has been that our local Christian adults would start to see like what that could look like just to intentionally see a student. Uh, yeah. What would you say about that? Yeah. I'm, I think it's, you're exactly right. Yeah. It's, um, it's really important. Um, I think the, the other thing that, uh, people could remember is that it doesn't always have to be one student at a time. Mm-hmm. You can have two students come along. And yeah. the, the hope hope is that ultimately one of those, both of those people in that relationship, but one at a time, you're developing disciples who are going to multiply what you're doing in that relationship. So yeah. um, you're modeling discipleship for them and then sending them out to be disciples of other people. So it's not always you because you don't have enough relational surface area to cover every person in your college ministry, yeah. um, but that you're you're multiplying disciples that can then do the work mm-hmm. of discipling others. That's how Jesus worked, right? That's right. Come walk with me. I want to teach you how to do this, and then now you go and teach somebody else. Yes, completely. If we, it's all about multiplication. That's discipleship. That's how mm-hmm. we know discipleship is working. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked just about some practical steps churches can take to actively begin to invest in the lives of college students. I What would you say are some things for churches to maybe avoid? Or I think there's natural tendencies. They think we have to do this mm-hmm. for this to work. Um, so what would you say about maybe some things to avoid or maybe some misconceptions that yeah. churches have when they think about college ministry? Yeah. Um, there are some professors who are great with college students, and then there are some professors who really are not. And so, um, but for a long time, churches had this idea that they had to have somebody who was more of a scholar Mm. to engage with students. And that's not really what students want. Students want somebody who is relational and will spend time with them and answer their questions and listen really well. So don't think because you don't have a professor in your church that you can't have a college ministry. Um, That's not necessarily the paradigm. I know some great professors who do it really well. And then... um, 
I know a lot of people who are just lay members who some of them don't even have a college education that just engage students and love them well and are great disciplers for students. So that would be one of the things. Um, another thing I would say is they don't necessarily have to have their own space. And if their own space is really a bad space, don't put them there. Um, I see this a lot. If if you're um, if there's a storage room or there's a building that's across the parking lot from the rest of the church, uh, that probably isn't the best place mm-hmm. for your students. And it. As much as it might seem great for them to have their own space, they like to be with the rest of the church. And sometimes if you put them in a space that's away, you might be inadvertently sending the message that um, they're not, you don't want them with the rest of the church. And even though that wouldn't be your intention, it might come across that way to them. So, um, so making sure they have a place with everybody else, and uh, even if it's not their own space, um, I think that's real important for them. I I agree. One thing that I have found is uh, I was talking with a, a college pastor, and he said it feels like I'm pastoring a separate church within a church. Like mm. I'm the college mm. pastor pastoring this church, and he's trying to figure out what does it look like for me to integrate our students yes. into the body of Christ. Yes. And I think you you kind of hit on that with if we're isolating them or keeping them separate. Uh, then it's hard for them to see that they are a vital part of the church. Right, and they want that. They they have said the research shows that they want those intergenerational relationships to be happening in their life. And how can we do that if they're always separate from the rest of our church? So um, just physical space with everybody else, but then also finding ways to intentionally um, involve them in relationships with other people of different ages, I think is real important. And I think it gives you a unique opportunity to let them start to figure out how has the Lord gifted me? How can I serve, uh, in Mm -hmm. this season of life Uh, and to get to do it in a safe way where they are being mentored in that, where they're doing it with other people. And I think that this is just such a pivotal opportunity for us to not only impact their life, but to shape the trajectory of how they serve the local church for the rest of their life. Right. And I think that is just a really key thing that as we integrate them into the church, we're not, we're, we're thinking through who can invest in them, but also how can they serve? That's right. And, um, and they want to serve. Yeah. They really want to, they want to be involved. What would you say are some practical ways to help them serve? Because I think sometimes they're, they're afraid to say, I can't put you in a teaching role, and I don't want to just make you be the one who goes and just plays with the kids all the time. But what would you mm-hmm. say are some practical things that you've seen uh, to be helpful ways to help college students serve in the church? Yeah, so I think one of them is just looking at their giftedness and what are those things that they're passionate about and then finding a place for them to be. Um, a student who already does AV stuff, might love to be a part of your AV team um, for your sanctuary and worship services. A student who is an early childhood education major, get them to help you with some of the children's programs. And um, others, you know, they can be good small group leaders for a youth group. Um, you know, it's just finding what what are those things that they're really interested in. There, I know some churches that have they intentionally ask college students to be a part of their committees and teams because they want their perspective. And boy, does that help that student to feel like they have some ownership in the church and have a voice. And it also, I think, speaks loudly to the other students that college students here matter to us um, as a local church. So I had a pastor one time say. 
we struggle to put dollars and energy into college ministry because they don't tithe and they're only here for a little bit. What would you say in response to that? Oh, but they are going to tithe eventually. Um, Yeah, I say this a lot. College ministry is a short-term investment with a long-term return. And it may not be in your local church, but it's going to be in somebody's local church. So if you invest and steward them well in those four, six years, whatever it is, um, then in the end, they're going to wind up being a great church member, either in your church or in somebody else's church. So yeah. that's the that's the bigger picture yeah. for why they do college ministry. I agree. My hope literally is I get maybe two, maybe four years with a student. And my hope is that when they leave, they are equipped to go and be a member of any church. And they know what it's like to not only grow myself spiritually, but to invest in somebody else. And I know how I've been gifted, how the Lord has uniquely wired me and he's given me my passions and the things that come naturally to me for a reason. And so I want to help them discover that so that they can step in and they're ready to go. Um, And for me, that's a huge win. And that means that we have walked with them. We have discipled them well. And we're doing that in partnership with the local church that they're a part of when they're here at the BSM. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next question would be, what are some things that have been proven to repel students? <laughs> <laughs> to repel students? Um, is there anything that comes into mind? Church, avoid this. Don't, don't think this is going to work. Uh, It might have in the past, but maybe not now. What are some things that maybe come to mind? Well, um, this might be a little controversial, but the um, adopt-a-family thing sometimes works Mm -hmm. and sometimes it really doesn't. And if you're going to do adopt-a-family, adopt-a-college student kind of a relationship, then you have to do that really carefully. Yeah. What do you think is important to consider if you want to do that? So you want to be real intentional about who those families are that you're connecting with that student. Is this a good fit? Is it not? Um, You don't just have an open invitation for every family to sign up to be an adopt-a-college student family because some of them are just not really ready for that. Yeah. Um, And students don't always want to do that as well. So um, it's intimidating for them. And, and they may want to do it eventually, but it, it probably needs to happen in the context of a relationship instead of just um, sign up and we're going to randomly put you with families. Like that, that was something that happened years ago, and maybe it worked years ago, but it, most of the time now it needs a little help to really make it work well. So <laughs> I would agree. It's I had a situation like that when I was in college. I got put with this family, and it was like, I don't know you, but now you're wanting me to come out to eat with you. And they were a little awkward, and I was a little awkward, and we were put in this awkward situation, <laughs> and it was miserable for all of us. Yeah. And then I didn't know, are you going to pay for my food? Do I need to pay for my food? Like, what's, what does this right. look like? Yes, make it easy and simple. Yeah. Yes. And so the next time, they were like, well, why don't you invite some friends over to our house? So at least there was comfort in the numbers of people that came. Yeah. Uh, and I could tell that they loved us, and they wanted to do it well, but we never did it again. Yeah. Because uh, they just realized, <laughs> I don't think this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there are some situations. I mean, you want adults to invest in students' lives, but you want to be careful about how you connect those people yeah. and that you do it um, in a way that's that's um, beneficial for everybody and makes it easy and not mm-hmm. awkward for them. Yeah. So. And I think it's—I could at least see you, you're trying, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but I can see how that, in some ways, could be a deterrent of, I don't even know how I want to engage or— what this could look like. I know something we see happen here a lot 
is a church will come and they expect that a flyer or just Mm -hmm. a quick invitation to their church is all that needs to happen. Um, But what we're seeing is uh, flyers are not working the way that they used to uh, to get someone to come to an event or to come and be a part of your church. And in some ways, it's even uh, a deterrent to go and check out that church. Is that something you're seeing happen Mm -hmm. kind of across the state? Yes. Yeah, because most of our students don't have that framework for what a church is. And, um, or if they do, it's just a little bit. And so just a flyer is not enough, especially for them to come on their own to a church. They would need somebody to invite them or, you know, a friend that says, hey, I'm going to this church and would you want to go with me? Um, But just a cold invitation usually is, doesn't work. And, um, you know, the other thing I would say is I wouldn't uh, just have a worship service, have a big event and expect students to just show up. Yeah. Those days are over. It doesn't necessarily repel students, but it does. It's not the draw that people expect it to be. Yeah. Um, those relationships are the the key, and um, you might have a worship service eventually, but the relationships are the the beginning point. And um, so, I would not skip that step. And then, as you continue, if you if you have a worship event, you want to connect that in with some some good healthy relationships that they're going to continue to grow in as they move forward. How do we help the college students that are in our churches um, be those connectors for us? Mm. So if we're wanting, we reckon, okay, just handing out a flyer, having an event isn't as effective as it used to be, but we know those personal invitations are. How do we equip our college students to step into those spaces and to be those connectors for us? Yeah, well, we're going to have to coach them because they're, they're not, not doing it naturally. And for most of them, they haven't seen it modeled well in the past. So we've got to walk with them mm-hmm. and um, model for them how you would have a, have a uh, conversation with somebody that would invite somebody to come. Um, I think there's a continual encouragement and a continual uh, putting before them, hey, who do you know who's in your vicinity on a daily basis that you could invite? Um, and so I think keeping that challenge before them all the time and then modeling and coaching for them that this is what we need to do. Those are the two things that we have to, to do for them. We have a script that happen. Ah, script is good. And so we do something called connection meetings and literally we have a script that we put into place of when you sit down with a student to talk to them about connecting here at the BSM and on campus, here's what you walk through. And then when they follow up with students, when we get new contact information, we provide a script. Here's what you text. Here's what you you Mm -hmm. call them on the phone. Here's what we want you to say. And some people laugh at us for that, but... It's if practical they, coaching. If they're yeah. afraid to do it, they're not going to. Mm-hmm. And for me to expect them to do something they've never done before, that's poor leadership. Yeah. And I need to equip you to go and do what it is we're trying to do. Yeah, it takes the guesswork out of it yes. for them. And that's yeah. so helpful. And after they've done it a couple of times, then it's like, I don't need this anymore. I know what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Um, yeah. We do... Uh, on Thursday nights, uh, sometimes before we do our worship time, we'll do what we just call Connect Dinner. And we give them an opportunity to sit down with their small groups, we call them Connect Groups, and have dinner together, where through our local churches or BSM, we provide the food. 
And we put popsicle sticks that have questions on it for them to start to talk because we have found that it's hard for them to know how to start a conversation. Mm -hmm. So we want to build into our systems a way to kind of help those connections happen. So we're saying, okay, we've taken the big Thursday night worship time. We made it smaller by putting you in your connect group. Now let's make it even, in some ways, a little smaller and come a little early, have dinner together, and we're going to help you connect and have those conversations. Yeah, that's great. And to have just found those to be some really helpful things mm-hmm. that it just comes with being aware of what's happening. Yeah. And they're struggling to do that. So my last question, I'm asking everybody this. Why should the local church care about college students? What do you think? Well, the local church should care about college students because they are um, the most strategic generation that we can engage with um, locally. They are uh, at the age when they're making key decisions about who they're going to serve, uh, where they're going to live their life, how they're going to live their life. Um, so we, we need to engage them at this point in their life. Uh, but also they're on college campuses and are engaging with students from literally around the world. Um, and so the potential impact for them is enormous. Mm-hmm. Um, the potential impact, even for our local churches, is enormous. And um, if we miss them, we have missed a, a great opportunity. Um, across the state of Texas, there are um, over a million college students, and half of them are commuter students. More than half of them now are commuter students. Um, and, and they're living and working in our local communities near our churches um, it is a, a mission field that we just can't afford to miss. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's why we keep having these conversations: is to say, how do we do this? Yeah. How do we engage? And uh, I believe that, especially in our college town, like here in Denton, that the Lord is going to look to us and to say, "I gave you sixty thousand students. Mm-hmm. How did you steward that gift?" Yeah, and I, th- that's very personal and very it convicts me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want to be able to say, like, we did everything that we could, yeah. uh, not only here at the BSM, but to equip our local churches and to help them do the same. Because yeah. I do agree, it is such a pivotal time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I appreciate your time and just yeah. you sharing your expertise. And so if anyone wants to know more about uh, how they can do that, I mean, yes, they can contact me. But like I said, you're the expert. That's why I have you here. What's the easiest way for them to reach out to you? They can get in touch with me. Um, my email address is ginger.bowman mm-hmm. at texasbaptist.org. Um, we also have a website, which is txcollegechurch.org, um, and they can connect there Great. as well. And we have some resources there for local churches that um, can help to uh, give ideas and uh, resource ideas for college ministry. Well, thank so. you so much. I really appreciate your time, and I hope... Uh, that other churches will be able to, as they listen in, uh, that this will just provide an opportunity for them to strategically think through what are those next steps or maybe what are the first steps that we need to take. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Yeah. If you would like to continue this conversation, you can contact me at stephaniemgates.com. The music was created by my talented friend, Vince Romanelli. Thank you for listening.